Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, the wealth coach up here at TWA. As always, we're going to start off with the Einstein quote, which is a measure of intelligence is the ability to change. Are you just going to keep hanging on um, by the skin of your teeth, white knuckle everything, and just basically sit with this attitude of quiet desperation or full-blown desperation or hoping something is going to change that you don't have control over that ends up working out in your favor somehow. So you get to absolve yourself of all responsibility and just hope that there's an outside change that brings you great fortune. That's not the way it works for the overwhelming 99.9999999% of people out there who aren't going to be winning the lottery. How in the world do you think the lottery even works as a profitable business if 99. gazillion nines behind it of people do not succeed at the lottery and don't make any money? It's because most of the people are not making money off the lottery. People wouldn't start that if it weren't going to be profitable for them. So when you start seeing those stupid advertisements that talk about the mega lottery being over $900 million, Sometimes they don't even win that. So where does that profit go? To the people that own the lottery, of course. But that's the way people not only approach that type of gambling, but their lives in general. You don't have to consent to feeling like crap every single day. Simply because you're not approaching your goals, because you're living in fear. That does not have to be the acceptable way to go through life and your time on this earth. So you have to identify the fact that changes are going to happen whether you like it or not, but the changes that you want to happen are most likely going to be because you decide to do them and not because something just fortunately happens into your lap or you were born in a certain situation or you come from a certain level of fortune or wealth or whatever you want to look at with any type of person. If you have something that you want to change, you're the one who's going to have to make it happen. Truman, and if you've seen Oppenheimer, you get to see that very, very interesting scene. I'm not going to make any spoilers for this movie, but he says the buck stops here. So people around the world pass the buck constantly. And when you realize that the buck has and always will stop with you, you're going to start taking meaningful actions. Because if you're going to wait for somebody else to take care of your business, you're going to be waiting forever. And I understand that with being responsible, yes, there are some situations where people do not have the same advantages. People do not start from the same places. But that's never going to change this fact. You cannot wait for somebody else. You cannot wait for a sign from a higher power. You cannot wait for a sign from God. 
you have to take action on something that is important to you immediately. That, hey, this house that I purchased for $200,000, financed or full cash, whatever, is going to get fixed up and then it's going to be worth $400,000 when it's done because the houses of the same size are worth that in the open market and not just listing, but being closed at that price. We're not looking at listing prices. We're looking at closed sale sold prices, which is information that a realtor can get. That's why you like to go to your realtor to get comps. So it's a much different world with a lot more confidence. And if that's what you're looking for, then you need to look into real estate seriously. Because I get into con- I get into conversations on a regular basis with people that would definitely consider themselves type B analytical personalities. People that consider themselves extremely risk averse and consider themselves very risk smart. Like they hold it up with their ego to say that I want to avoid danger. I want to avoid risk as much as possible. I'm smart enough to do that. So that's what I'm going to do. But these are people that are then turning around and investing all of their money in a 401k and IRA. And there's a, I would argue there's a very, very bad association here made from the fact that stocks are so popular. Humans make the mistake of associating popularity with effectiveness. Because we hear about stocks from our parents, most of our parents growing up, from our teachers, our friends' parents, our college professors, the news barrages you with stocks on a daily basis. If you're thinking about quitting watching the news, I'll go ahead and give it to you now. Here's your sign to limit your news intake and don't watch the news all the time because it does not do you any good. Figure out what's happening in the world, in your local area, turn it off, and go watch something that is actually good for you and it's not going to stress you out and make you develop a negative view. But stocks are pushed heavily on news channels. Heavily. And just because it's shown everywhere doesn't mean that this is the most reliable choice. It doesn't mean it's the safest choice. It doesn't mean this has to be what you're most comfortable with. And to be fair, real estate is dang popular as well, and it's talked about on the news, but it's, I mean, I would say it's probably 10% of the coverage that stocks get, if that. And I'm not saying people in the real estate world are perfect, because there's a lot of bad stuff that I've seen in real estate as well, just like in stocks. You got to know how to watch your own butt. And you got to know how to check your own numbers. But ultimately, the risk compared to stocks is significantly less. Far, far, far less. Because if you want to know if something's going up in value with stocks, you'd have to get insider trading and again get thrown into the slammer like Martha. But that insider knowledge, as I talk about in real estate, is to do sales comps, to do rent comps, to know that this is the sales price of this property. 
They're asking this. I'm familiar enough with rehabs to do my own rehab estimate, or I've got someone that can do it with pictures, or I can have my GC come out and meet me there. I've got my numbers for that. I've got the sales price for that based on the accurate comparable sales. With all the other expenses, we pop it into our sandbox, and then we're able to see exactly what is going on with a particular deal from the get-go, if that's going to be viable or not. And above all, to just throw it into the sandbox and say, hey, with this purchase price, with this rehab, with this potential ARV, which is the after-repaired value, that sales price, once it's fixed up and ready to go, is there even enough meat on the bone to look at it even further? It takes just a couple seconds. That's why I always tell members who get access to the sandbox, get comfortable with keeping that sandbox handy to throw in a deal with those three major numbers and get an idea right off the bat of whether this is a deal that deserves more analysis or not. Because you're probably going to be able to figure that out from the jump if there's meat on the bone or not. You don't need to go through every single number. You don't need to go to every single house at all. You can find out which deals are actually deals or not. And that's not insider trading. That is a completely normal, and for those of us who are really worried, completely legal practice because that's the way it's supposed to work. There's not even any question about that. That's literally the way real estate is done. You analyze it start to finish to figure out what it's going to do if you purchase it. So I highly, highly suggest for anybody to start looking at an investment like real estate and unplugging from the stock deluge of information out there because it's so heavily pushed and we've gotten to a point where there's almost no other choice for a lot of people than to be exposed to stocks. So if you're interested in learning more about real estate, of course, we've got our free sample class, which is tomorrow at 6.30 p.m., We've got our expo, which is coming up at the end of September on September 30th. And this is open to all guests. This is open to anybody that is particularly interested in learning about passive investments. This is going to be at totalwealthacademy.com forward slash expo. So if you want to join up to this event, sign up totalwealthacademy.com forward slash expo. And we're going to have food there. Italian food, pizza, pasta. We're going to have five different speakers talking about passive investments, including Steve, our founder. And I'm going to make beer, as always. I've got a couple things that I've been able to figure out that kind of match the Italian theme. Um, Italy's more of a wine culture, to say the least, but I'm going to figure something out that kind of matches and makes sense. And we're going to have a great time. So the next thing I want to start reviewing Um, before we go to our middle-of-the-road break, which, as I want to review some of the things that we've been dealing with in the stock market recently, um, and I still need to pull up my numbers, so I'm going to get the numbers and the updates once we get back from the break. Um, But I want to review some of this information about the cost of living in the U.S. and how it has changed over the last 78 years since World War II. So I'm your host, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA. We'll be right back after the break. Y'all stay tuned. 
The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the TWA Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. And I want to go over something that I've talked about a good while back. But just to give some perspective on what's going on, um, and not for people that are not familiar with this to just get survivorship bias and lose context of what's going on, um, because there's always going to be economic challenges no matter what. And there's always going to be, at least the way that our system is built now, there's always going to be people that have more than others, haves and have-nots. And we've developed a system that has a lower economic class, a middle economic class, and a higher economic class. And then the ultra super billionaires that have more money than most other classes combined. So the reason that we're in a very interesting state economically is because it hasn't gotten easier for people to purchase their own home in the U.S., and not to get into the, you know, reminders of economics from high school with supply and demand. Um, but in, the, in a nutshell, in 1958, so this is already 13 years after World War II ended. So this is actually 65 years ago. The median home price in the U.S. was $11,990, right at $12,000. So if you could purchase a brand new house that was, in this case, 13, almost 1,400 square feet, four bed, two bath, for $12,000 today, what would you do with the rest of your money? I mean, seriously. And before we get into inflation, um, if this house was adjusted for inflation by itself, this house in New Jersey would be worth it's listed at over twice that at $285,000, according to the research I was able to do. So housing prices have gotten significantly higher. And in the real estate world, when you're an investor, you know that there's also a certain level of, how should I say, time pressure when it comes to investing or not. What I'm really saying is we talk about when's the best time to invest in real estate was 20 years ago. Yeah, um, 40 years ago, even better, 50 years ago, or right after World War II ended would really be the ideal time. Um, 
really the baby boomer era from 1945 to 1965, those 20 years, you know, if you bought any real estate and your family owned any real estate in that time, you would have gotten the most significant gains to say the least. So what this ends up boiling down to, and this is the question I want people to consider when it comes to their financial positioning, because in 1958, with that house that was just under $10 under 12000 that was the median. That's the most common house price. And in 1958, our most houses older, well, it's actually probably about 50-50 because of the baby boomer era. We've got all of these new houses being built and the modern suburbia becoming a thing. As people started spreading out from the city, people had all this wealth. Unlike most countries around the world in World War II, our country was not significantly bombed. You know, if you went over to France and you went over to Germany itself, which, hey, they were responsible for World War II along with Japan and Italy, but their country was blown out and they had to rebuild first before they could do anything else. Very, very different being here in the United States. We had Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, where Japan attacked us without warning. And, I mean, that that's literally hands down one of the scummiest things that anybody has ever done. But that's a whole nother discussion, to say the least. But we didn't have a whole bunch of damage to deal with. We got to just have all this wealth, all this opportunity to grow and expand these suburbs. And the median income was right at 5200 So it was a total of 2.05 times the annual income for someone to purchase their house in 1958. So this is somebody that is earning over $5,000. they are purchasing a house that's a little over $10,000. That's just over two times their annual income. And... That's what we should consider reasonable. This is our standard. This is our baseline. Maybe it doesn't have to be right at two, but that's what we're what we started with. That's what we worked with. So today, in 2022, after the annual report was made, the annual income for a house, and this isn't just one person, this is a household, by the way. This is an annual household income is right at $70,000, and the median house price is now right at $346,000. So it's now requiring the median household to purchase the median house at almost five times their annual income. So people are looking at their income. They're saying, we make a household income of $100,000. Great, we can afford a $500,000 house. And they're able to do that, especially when interest rates are lower. And I'm not going to get into a discussion of whether or not interest rates being low or high is good or bad. But that position is, I argue, financially irresponsible. And I'm not going to quite comment right now on whether that's just par for the course, 
But if you have the opportunity to purchase a house at, let, let's just put a round number out there and say three times your annual income should be the reasonable number you should get at. I mean, if you're going to make $100,000 for your household, you should be getting a house that's around $300,000. In my opinion. In my financially considerate opinion. Because just because you can afford a $500,000 house or you can afford a $400,000 house, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And everybody knows that. They don't necessarily live that. But the house is one of the biggest ego purchases out there. The personal residence, I would say, is the ultimate ego purchase. And I'm not going to listen to people that say that their husband made them buy this house or their wife made them buy this house. You made a decision. You made a decision to commit to this financial positioning. And there are opportunities to get into houses in great neighborhoods with great schools that are significantly less expensive. You do not need to get a house that is five times your annual income. So when we see people that have million-dollar houses, a lot of them are sitting at $200,000 a year, maybe even a little less, simply because they can get approved for that. And then all of this money is being dedicated just to live in a freaking million-dollar house that is not off the bat being used to produce income. Because we talk about going into your house as an expense, but you can refinance it and cash it out, which we're going to review in a little bit. But all that money could have been used off the bat because if someone is still able to do that and qualify for the million-dollar house, they've got to have a lot of savings. Because even if you do the mortgage interest and you got, let's say you put 10% down instead of 20%, you put 100000 down instead of 200000 that's a lot of money that you could put into investments instead and get a more reasonable house. That's still going to do the same thing. It's a freaking roof over your head. Make it nice. You don't need to buy the most expensive thing that's nice as heck already. Be responsible with your personal home purchases. When we get back, we will review the details about the stock market and refinancing. Stay tuned to the final segment of today's TWA radio show. an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TWA radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, to the final segment. So let's look at some good news. And I've, I've spun this as kind of bad news before, 
but 60% of people under $100,000 in household income are living paycheck to paycheck. And for me, the shocking part is that 45% are living paycheck to paycheck at over $100,000. So that's why the person in the half a million dollar house with $100,000 in household income is still living paycheck to paycheck because almost all of their income, 95% plus to live paycheck to paycheck, is going to expenses including the house. And then, but that's a 15% drop. And then when you go from 28% of people that are still living paycheck to paycheck that are earning over $200,000 a year, you know, that's a 17% drop. So that's a good sign that basically proves statistically that people that are, I know this is going to sound obvious, but people that are earning more are ending up being truly better off. And it's still kind of scary to think that almost a third of people at 200000 plus are still living paycheck to paycheck. Got to keep in mind that there are places like Manhattan, New York, and San Francisco City that have extremely high costs of living. And if you're making 200000 you're kind of lower middle class there. Because your rent's probably right at 55000 4000 5000 a month. So that's 48 48,000, 60,000 gone already. So good news though, sounds obvious, but the more income, the better situation people tend to be in up to a certain point in the sense that um, I've seen multiple studies talk about this, but an individual in the U.S. that basically continues to get happier and less stressed out up to a certain income level, right, but uh, $75,000 a year median in the median economic areas around the country. Of course, you're going to need more if you're living in Manhattan itself. But for the average area, for the average person, they hit 75000 in their personal income. And after that point, it doesn't really help their happiness levels, which is pretty interesting to consider because there might be a lot of people out there that think they need to have a million dollars in the bank to finally be able to be happy but it's a, that's a whole big, huge discussion, but happiness definitely does not come from the end result. It comes during the process. But it seems like it's a lot less than most people think. So for what it's worth, we hit that income level, make it make more sense financially, get yourself to a point where you have to work less financially, you don't live paycheck to paycheck, and use real estate to do that at least in part. I mean, get yourself a piece of real estate, get yourself a rental, get involved with a passive deal and start seeing the rates of return and actually come in. And that's 100% understandable that you're going to be pretty nervous until you see that first check in the mail from your renter or that first distribution come from the passive investment to be someone like me who's a proof in the pudding person that they want to see it. But it does come through, and it does pay your bills, and it makes a much more significant impact than anything that I've seen in the stock market. So today's stock update is virtually identical to last week's. So last week, 
I noted a across-the-board drop in the stock market across the three biggest indexes of the Dow Jones, S&P 500, and the NASDAQ. So they've all gone down again. And I took pause last week because I just felt very nervous about that update and very concerned. And this is not enough to say, oh, the down market is definitely going down for sure. We're really at the beginning of the end for the post-COVID response. And now we've got to have our major economic downturn adjustment to compensate for this. And then it's going to be the Wild West and real estate all over again, like 2008-9. And again, there are people that are very intelligent that I talk to that insist that it's not going to be like that ever again. I am just going to have to say I don't believe that when I've read enough history to know that people who say that tend to be wrong. Reality doesn't just go in line with what you believe or feel. And when we see that this is the way the economy works and we see these radical ups and downs, we've had this radical upturn after that initial COVID response in March, April 2020, because we had that dip, which was a significant dip, but that was not a full-blown, you know, six-month, year-long recession. It's like, come on. Like 2008 and nine was called 2008 and nine, not just that one month in 2008 and that one month in 2009. That was a good year, year and a half of full-blown bottom-of-the-barrel down market disaster. And again, maybe it won't be that disastrous. I don't know, but I'm not going to bet on that. I'm not going to bet on the possibility that it won't be that bad. I'm going to bet on the fact that it's going to be just as bad or worse, which is why I'm going to hedge my financial position with as much real estate as possible, as I've always done. So the Dow Jones has now gained 5.43% this year. And again, for those of us that have been listening before, this is not enough to make up for last year. So for those of us that are listening for the first time, last year, all three indexes lost significantly. Dow Jones lost 8.78, S&P lost 18.11, NASDAQ lost 32.97%. So with Dow Jones gaining 5.43, it's still in the red. Literally, Dow Jones has not made enough earnings this year, unlike the others, to make up for what they lost in 2022. It's still in the red. The loss for Dow Jones from 2022 is at 3.35%. Are you making money with that? No. Are you beating inflation with that? No. That is not a good position to be in. So S&P has gained 16.77%. Like, hooray, they gained 16.77%. But then you take that off of the negative 1811 from last year, and they're literally... S&P went up in the in the green finally in the black for earlier this month on the 2nd and last week barely. Now it's back in the negative. They're still they're now at a negative 1.34%. Nasdaq you know everybody could say woohoo because on August 2nd when I did the stock update they had a full gain of 43.68% in 2023. Now their gain is 37.46, so when you subtract that from 2022's losses, folks, most people in NASDAQ aren't making around 40%. They're 
they're making around 4.49%, which is what it's adding up to. Because most people didn't decide to throw all in a NASDAQ on January 1st, 2023, when it was at the lowest or near to it. And, and again, that's the strategy you're supposed to be doing in stocks. That's what they're telling you to do. That's, that's your plan, isn't it? Is that what you did? For everybody else that was in NASDAQ before, with all the gains this year, they've only gained 4.49%. That's their net. That's their gross before inflation, which is consistently, and right now, around 3%. So you add that, heck, they're really only making like 1.5%. Are you going to retire on rates of return of 1.5%? Maybe if you've got a billion dollars sitting there, but if you've got a billion dollars, you didn't get a billion dollars from sitting in the stock market. You're getting rates of return from your business that are incredibly higher than 1.5. So this is not going to work for the average American. It doesn't work, and it's never been effective for the average American, and yet for some reason it's pushed. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So be very conscious of what your stocks are doing. Be conscious of the fact that if you've got a 401k and IRA, there are self-directed manners and options for you to take advantage of. You can create a self-directed 401k. You can create a self-directed IRA. Or you can go full nuclear and get your money out and just pay the dang taxes. Because that's how you really know it's your money when the government is going to tax you for taking it out and allowing you to control it. It's not your money. It's the stock market's money. It's the Wall Street billionaire's money. And you've willingly handed it over to them. Stop doing that. So let's go ahead and wrap up with... Some other side news that I really want to reemphasize for folks, because um, we talked about the taxes two weeks ago, and I really want to make sure that taxes have gone up. Insurance has gone up. Um, I'm shopping for my insurance right now because my, like most people, my my home insurance has gone up a lot, and already one insurance agent was like, oh, wow, your your rate is great. That's amazing. I've never seen anything that awesome. It's like, oh, okay, that, I mean, for what it's worth, make me feel, makes me feel better, even though the rate has gone up 50%. Don't, don't allow yourself to get suckered in like that. Make sure you're shopping for your insurance out there and don't just stick with the people you've been with. Get some good quotes and shop for your insurance and make sure you're getting the best rate and make sure you protest your taxes every year. Folks, that's all I have for you this week. I will be back next Wednesday for a full show. I will see y'all then. Y'all have a great rest of your week. 
You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.